Welcome to the Phobos Militia Hobbycast. I told the others, they didn't believe me. You're all doomed. You're all doomed. Part three. Part three. Keep it in the family. The massacre continues. <laughs> this is time to jump down the theoretical fucking warp zone. <laughs> yeah, we got theories, we got factoids, we got it all. Fan interactions. <laughs> yes. Well, it was, it was exactly what you were saying is like, in our other recordings, we were more going over what everybody knows. Whereas now we're going to go over what we think and how we want it to be. Yes. Now that we've come this far. Now it's time to shoot the shit. <laughs> Do you want to start with the um, community comments first? Yeah, yeah. So Cool. So basically we're going to go off of like people that have responded to us. Um, and the, the newest one, because we had a couple community comments last time. Uh, this time is basically... Who is your favorite Friday the 13th non-Jason character? And first comment, of course, the wife. <laughs> she wrote, anyone, anyone but Shelly. <laughs> she doesn't like Shelly. Shelly rules. <laughs> and then Andrew uh, Darovich wrote, everyone that dies is his favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And then one of my old uh one of my old high school actually neighborhood kids, Bob Lewis, Bobby Lewis, uh, the little redhead kid that was in the neighborhood. Uh, he said he could watch a whole movie of Shelly getting killed. <laughs> Everyone hates Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> one guy wrote Chad, dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> that was uh Kahan, Kevin Hanley, Kahan Games. Justin Klingenmeyer wrote Wheelchair Kid. <laughs> Justin is Penguin on Nintendo Collector. Ah. One of the guys I know from college, Roman Rodriguez, posted a picture of a dude in a tent with a machete, and I don't think it's from Jason. I don't think it's from a Friday movie. <laughs> like, it's just some <laughs> random dude. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, Kyle Smith wrote Crispin Glover because of his amazing dance in Part 4. Everyone loves that dance. Yes. There's a good quiz question. Is They have that crazy 80s song that plays during the song, but he actually was dancing to Back in Black. And I I know there's a YouTube video where they have him dancing, and they change the Back in Black, and it looks fucking even more ridiculous with ACDC playing. <laughs> it's amazing. You'll have to check that out. In the last episode, yeah, you said ACDC. So, yeah. I don't know who confirmed it was Back in Black. Um, and then we have another Shelly fan, probably Shelly's his favorite person, is <laughs> Wesley Gross, right in. All right. Got tons, tons of people enjoying the Phobos. That's the, the crazy thing is, like, how far the love of Jason Voorhees goes. And the fact that we can literally make, like, a, a multi-part massacre out of this thing. That's what it is, out of the love. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's theory time. Uh, the last episode we kind of went over the facts and it kind of took it as like a court case and what the facts were yeah. and how we could move about within that. So with the whole two months after the first Friday the 13th, Alice disappears. So that's where we'll start here. 
Start right with part two in the Campfire Tale. Yeah, so analyzing it a little closer, I realized that... Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> little white zombie. White zombie's fucking awesome. Little sex resisto. <laughs> so, really, Paul Paul is correct about two things that he mentions in part in the part two uh, campfire tale. So, no one knows what happened to Alice because she's at the base of Jason's mother's shrine. Yep. And it's been five years since the murders, and uh, Deputy Winslow basically confirms this uh, in part two they have a conversation um, about not trespassing over to crystal lake and at that point you know he's he's basically saying it's, uh, it's been quiet for five years and that's the way that we want to keep it so it's safe to say that paul also heard about alice disappearing two months after the original friday the 13th from the deputy at some point oh he definitely talked to the deputy that's like a really good strong point because if he's going to be the guy that's kind of establishing the camp and he's telling the campfire tale then he's going to have to talk with he's going to know everybody in the town like basically to set up yeah it's it's just kind of what would happen when you're going to set up all these people are going to come up and start talking to you and the deputy is going to talk to you and just give you what they expect of you um, yeah, so that makes sense. Um, so really, mm-hmm. for our our timeline, if we bring the original Friday the 13th to 1980, as we had talked about in the previous episode. Which puts that right in, what is it, June, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that puts it in June. June 13th, yeah. So then Friday's in the freaking summer. Makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, so that's 1980. And then uh, we can still say, actually, that... Um, Part two, the main part of part two, so Alice will get killed two months after, and then um, we can still say that it took place in 1984, um, because the deputy could have possibly rounded up when he said five years. That's the one thing, it's like a generalization, where five years is just like a round number, where if it was four years, he might have said five years. Also, too, just stretching the truth to help put the past behind him and the town, too. Yeah. That's the one thought. I mean, and they do kind of allude to that in the later movies, how they kind of want to forget. Yeah, so four years could be five years if you just want to be... Yeah. You know, for, forget about it, you know? Because the actual timeline on Wiki has part two taking place in 1984, so this is just a way to, like, line that up. Oh, yeah, that's true, though. So, the other thing is, is part three took place on Friday the 13th, not part two. Now, here's the beauty of that. The beauty of that is, and actually, before I move on to, a lot of people have been asking, how does Jason know where Alice resides two months later? Like, how does he know where she lives? So, what I say, they're spiritually connected since Alice survived, as we talked about in the last episode. He can feel her presence, basically. And, though, like, we we did theorize in the last episode that Alice did move to Crystal Lake, right? She moved back to Crystal Lake, yeah. Which I never really even thought about until we talked about it on the podcast, was I always assumed she was, like, in Chicago, you know, somewhere, like, away. That's how I always thought. 
But if she moves back to Crystal Lake, she's fucking there. Yeah, that was part of her, like, therapy. She wanted to, like, face the monster, you know? Yeah, so she's there. If she's in Crystal Lake, guess what? She's gonna find her. He can feel her presence. Or that that her house, wherever she's at in Crystal Lake, is right by where Jason's cabin is, and she just ironically is right there. Yeah, the whole thing, like, Jason puts his mother's head in the refrigerator and Alice's refrigerator, so it's kind of like the last thing that Alice sees is, you know, is the severed head of Jason's mother. It's kind of like a setup, too, and then he takes Alice's body as a trophy and puts it at the shrine. Damn right he does. (laughs) So that kind of answers that question of how he would know, but here's the thing. Now, Now, there is a way we can still move part two, three, and four to 1985 to make it a full five-year gap from 1980. As you were saying, part three is supposed to take place on Friday the 13th. So here's the thing. Here's the big thing. And I I thought this was funny. So the timeline says, verbatim, it is likely that part three took place on a Friday the 13th because Chris and Andy referred to spending a weekend in the country that's it. The, the script confirms that the murders at Higgins Haven take place on Friday the 13th. Okay, so in my opinion, this isn't very concrete evidence, as people leave for Friday on a trip all the time. That's common. And a script writer likely didn't take the previous film dates completely into consideration. So, I am actually up for wiping out the fact that Part 3 takes place on a Friday the 13th. So let's say part three may not have taken place on Friday the 13th. This would fix the five-year gap between part one taking place in the correct year, 1980, and part two, three, four now in 1985. This moves the timeline one year ahead, but Mm. I think it's the best we can do. I don't think that really causes a problem, except uh, how old Tommy Jarvis looks in part four. He's 12 years old, so... We're just moving that ahead. I don't think that causes a big issue there. No. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's the best way to look at it. Like, who's to say Friday the 13th Part 3 even took place on a Friday the 13th? All that they're saying is they went to spend a weekend in the country and the script says it. That's yeah. all. To me, that's not a lot. There still is nowhere in the film. This is it. And what what Jeff said, like, he likes to think that everything takes place on camera or is alluded to having taken place. Well, nothing mm-hmm. is shown in Part 3 about it being on Friday the 13th. Yeah. So there's, they're basically saying, like, so me and you went to MGC on a Friday this year, so that was a Friday the 13th. Like, That's true, though. Like, <laughs> That's all that they have? Like, You can easily write that off. Well, and and the big craziness is that people would say, oh, the movie's called Friday the 13th. Well, part two, three, and four happen back to back to back, and it's multiple days. Yeah. One or none of them could be Friday the 13th. That's that's my new idea, is that none of them, only the first film. The first one is. And if anything says it in the film, that's evidence. Like, like on screen or mentioned on in dialogue. Then you have to say that it's true. Because you said the script confirms that the murders at Higgins Haven take place on Friday the 13th. However, scripts constantly change with directors. Yes. Here's the beauty of this. That is saying 
that they knew for a fact that part two wasn't on a Friday the 13th. Because part two took place hours before part three. Yeah. So how did the script maker of part three know that part two didn't take place on a Friday the 13th? That trumps everything right there. Because he didn't know. Yeah. Because everyone making a Friday the 13th assumed... It's on Friday the 13th. I see it over and over again. Directors don't watch the previous movies, maybe but once. <laughs> yeah. And actors don't watch their own movies. So... Yeah, and then they're not, they're typically not the microcosm no. of people that listen to a podcast on Friday the 13th, let alone obsessively watch the movies or even watch the movies casually. And the actors are into acting. They're not into watching. Harry Manfredini, the legendary composer, said he hasn't even watched, like, any of the films. Well, he's a musician. He doesn't even know what the fuck it is at all. When he made the music, he probably had the scene, and he just made it according to the... But he didn't watch the movie in its entirety, like... No. And that's what's funny about it, that... Most of those people didn't. So that is proof that, like, they don't fucking know. So in my opinion, it only makes sense that part one takes place in 1980, and we either have to say part two takes place in 84, we can move it back, which is what the normal timeline says. We can say he was stretching it. He was stretching it like an extra year. It's been five years rounding up, like I was saying. Yeah. Or... Or, yeah, we just have to say it's strict five years from 80 to 1985 and there were no Friday the 13th. Uh, that, that totally works. So, basically, the next problem, or, the, well, the next question is... <laughs> next problem? Yes. Yes, so, Tommy... You got a problem, you saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, the, the timeline says that Tommy... Uh, so, Tommy is 12 in part four. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah. the time... <laughs> the timeline says Tommy is 16 in part 5. <laughs> Yet he looks like he aged to about 26, but that's okay. Yeah, that's the other funny thing. Well, it's like dazed and confused. They're all like 30 years old, yeah. like running around, like mid-20s and shit. Beating kids with paddles. <laughs> they're supposed to be like 17 or 18. But yeah, it's, it's so, um, it says Tommy is 16 in part 5, and he would no longer be a ward of the state. And that's why he's transferred to Pinehurst Halfway House. So the question I thought, wouldn't that be 18 years? Um, I don't necessarily think so. No, and you're you're totally right. So, and and I was looking it up. So, per the U.S. courts. <laughs> oh God, Alfusius <laughs> says. <laughs> yes, emancipation occurs when the child is no longer under the legal authority and control of another. This can occur when the child reaches the age of majority, between 18 and 21, normally, marries, enters military service, is fully self-supporting, or by court order. So I think they figured he was fully self-supporting. He was a special case. He's definitely a special case. So he was fully self-supporting. The, uh... State said he's fine, so they sent him off to Pinehurst. That totally makes sense to me. So he doesn't have to be 18. No. We can make the timeline work totally. Well, and then the other aspect is, is it was the fucking 80s, so they just do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> like, they, like shit like back then was a little harsher than it is now. 
or by court order. So for some reason, he may have been ordered by the court to go there. But I think he's fully self-supporting because when he goes there, they give him the rundown. Like, we really want to give you a chance, Tommy. We know that you can do this, you know. So they, they had faith in him. Yeah. So that totally works. So, yeah, I think we got this whole timeline figured out. Oh, yeah. The other thing, there's just some factoids. Like, uh, so what about Tommy have the having the original Jason mask yes. at the beginning of part six? I have a nice story on this one, too, after you tell yours. <laughs> Go for it. Let's, let's hear what you got. So, so basically what you wrote in your theory was he had the blue mask at the end of part five. Um, so my thoughts are at the end of part, in between part four and part five, when he was put into, you know, the, the custody and everything, he hid the original mask somewhere. Yeah, that's what I think too. And then when he went on his own, he found, dug up, whatever it is, the original mask. Because the mask in part six does, as you know, as we all know, has the classic cut on the top that was given in part three. Yep, it has the axe mark. That has to be taken into consideration. It's in part six. So if the axe mark is there, the part six mask is the original mask. Yeah, the only um, (laughs) argument would be like, if Tommy Jarvis made a replica, and but why would he put the axe mark in there? He probably wouldn't even remember through all the fucking chaos that it had an axe mark in it. So yeah, it has to be. I love the fact he like buried it or he put it somewhere where no one could find it. Yeah, because it it was a special thing at that point. Exactly. And my my thoughts are is that his journey to get the mask is what triggered his memories and then caused him to go to the cemetery to, quote-unquote, put Jason down for the last time that caused his resurrection in Part (laughs) 6. So basically, his finding that mask is what started it all that we didn't see because it was happened off-camera. And you have Jason's personal effect. So, like, you know how it's almost like you have an object that he is part of. Like, you're you're totally fucked at that point. Like, that's totally going to haunt you. That And that also goes into the whole most books and witchcraft and spells and Necronomicon and all that require a totem or a piece of that person to do magic or to do kind of necromancy. You have to have something that's associated with them. Yeah. So because of that, then it's highly likely that that was the catalyst that was helped revive Jason. And that that totally makes sense to me that, yeah, he he kept it. It's perfect. It's perfect. It it does. It works works really well. So even at the end of Part 5, we can say he actually did kill some people or try to kill some people at the hospital. That would still just put him in the mental house again because he's not going to get put in jail because he's already pled insanity, right? So he's, he's just going to go back to the mental asylum, and he's escaping in the, at the beginning of Part 6, so I did want to mention that, too. Like He actually could have killed some people at the end of Part 5, and it still would have been the same result. You just go back to the asylum, and then he escapes from the asylum. Like, and then you know, he digs up the, the mask at his old house before he goes to the cemetery. Perfect. Goes right in line. 
pretty much we we have our own reality now where everything does make sense, which was the the true goal of the whole thing. And the actual mask helping revive Jason, which we didn't really even touch upon, um, makes a lot of sense with the whole supernatural aspects of Mrs. Voorhees getting crazy, and then later, um, what you're going to go to with the next theory. Yeah, so with the Necronomicon and Jason Goes to Hell... Which is shown in the movie, as we've mentioned. And I was looking at the, the screenshots, there's at least four other little, like, spell books on the, on the same table. So, okay, so she was going crazy, number one. Yep. It also reinforces the supernatural, obviously, the supernatural theory. Um, but it it also tells me, like, there could have been multiple spells that she's, like, casted. Yeah. Yeah, so who knows, like, what each of those spells had effect on the other spells. Which means it literally could still be an offshoot of the... Um Evil Dead Army of Darkness universe, because if you just read the Necronomicon, they turn into the little crazy Evil Dead zombie type, you know, revivals, whereas if you'd use those other four spell books, maybe that's how they create Jason, is with four different aspects. Yeah. So, see, that's that's another really cool thing that I was thinking about. It's like, damn, dude. (laughs) That's just another cool thing. I did want to touch on where... Camp Crystal Lake actually would be located in in our universe. Oh yeah, I have two hard evidence references. So the very first Friday Thirteenth, Annie she gets dropped off at Moravian Cemetery, and you can see the you can see the gate in the film, and it says Hope, New Jersey. It actually, says Hope NJ. So it tells you right there we're in Jersey. Yeah, and so. That tells me one thing, that at least on the way to Camp Crystal Lake, Hope, New Jersey is there. And then part three, um, when they when Shelly is in the store and he throws the wallet and they pan to the counter um, behind the shopkeeper, it says Green Valley, New Jersey. Now, it's... It's actually, it was filmed, that part was filmed in Green Valley, California. Interesting. Yeah, and tons of shit is filmed there, so they just covered up California, California or just added a New Jersey. Well, the fact that they took the time to do that means that it was meant to be there. Yeah, so we know that part three being Higgins Haven, and how we were talking in the last episode, how there's like channels. Mm-hmm then that channel would be near Green Valley, New Jersey, and the camp with the cemetery is by Hope, New Jersey. So it's we can definitely say it's in New Jersey. Let me, let me look up on a map real quick. NJ, Hope, New Jersey. Because I want to see if there's, if there's like a little <laughs> lake next to Hope, New Jersey, on the way, if there's a lake around it. Because... Because Crystal Lake has to be pretty big. That's the first thing. And that's Camp Nobi Bosco, and that's in New Jersey, too, but it's not in Hope, New Jersey. It's in a different area. Well, how far away would she have been in Hope? Because she was getting to it. She could have gotten a hitched a ride and went all the way out toward Newark, toward, like, New York area. So she gets dropped off? 
at the cemetery, and then she walks a little bit and gets picked up by Mrs. Voorhees. On the way to... It's pretty close. The way that they make the movie seem, it's close, but the way in reality, it's not as close. So, the biggest lake near Hope is out east. Because if you go west of Hope, you're in Delaware, Pennsylvania. It's right there. So it's too close. But if you go east a little bit, which is Route 80 over there, um, there's a lot of lakes. There's, But there's a big lake. And you got to think, if you're going to have, you know, the fake town, New Jersey, and all of those, that it would literally have to be big enough to have its own towns all around it. That makes sense. So when you go from one side of Crystal Lake to the other side of Crystal Lake, you you could literally be in multiple towns. Yeah, that's the idea. Right. Now, the biggest one is Hopatcong. That's the biggest one. Now, this is... It's near Hopatcong. It's Lake Hopatcong. And there's literally, like, all coves and giant freaking squaw trails and... Like there, it's it's a big freaking like. There's landing New Jersey near the south, Hopatcong on the left, um, on the right. There's a county park at the top. There's another town. There's towns all over the place, and there's Camp Jefferson. And the actual address of Camp Nobi Bosco, the one that where Crystal Lake was, is eleven. Sandpon Road, Hardwick, New Jersey. Let me type it in. Ah, there it is. Let's see where, because I was looking at the biggest lake, because you got to realize if we're leading into part eight, it has to be closer to New York, which that lake is pretty close to New York. So the lake that you are seeing is, that's like where they filmed it, right? That's where they filmed Friday part one. Yeah, that was also where Mother's Day was filmed in, like, the same exact place. It's crazy. And it's Sand Pond is what the lake's called. Yeah. It's a little pond, not even a lake. Friday Part 3, they actually had to fill up a, a big hole for, like, two or three days of water. That was what Part 3's lake was. <laughs> it was just a dried-up hole. Oh, wow. So if I click on Google Maps, I can see it in 3D, like the current camp. What I was thinking, <laughs> it would be cool if we could, like, rent that out for, like, a weekend. Bet you can. Yeah, and then just actually have a night or two and actually, like, experience what, you know, what they went through. <laughs> I mean, it would just be the shit, dude. Well, and that's where I wanted to go with, with the uh, the conversation is, is, like, we've always talked about where we want to go visit the film locations, but more so not the California ones, because we don't really give a shit about that. Yeah, those movie sets. More so the, the ones in Jersey. Yeah. Like, we want to see the spots that still exist, so... Part one and two. In that place, the Camp Nobi Bosco, or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, it's like Bosco's Boy Scout. I don't know what Nobi is, though. But they actually have that open for, like, fans of the film now to go check out. And they were, they were selling pieces of the old cabins online to make money to support the place. And so they're very aware that it is a horror movie historical site. Yeah, because I was watching one video on YouTube, and they're like, no, you, you, you guys got to get out of here. 
you aren't supposed to be here, and they like kicked him out. So yeah, you definitely got to like arrange it because they were still like, "There's Boy Scouts here. You can't be like running around." Well, yeah, and it all depends on the timing. And basically, all you got to do is call the people there. And if you're going off season, we probably could have a weekend or or night where you can rent it out. It actually is just all about calling them and being professional about it. I mean, really, that's like what everything is about. You just have to arrange it. It's like really that easy. Um, <laughs> even just to have a bonfire like on Crystal Lake would just blow my mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be cool. Just so simple, like it's sleeping a sleeping bag outside Crystal Lake. When Alice, when the the storm started coming in, and she like opened the door and like looked out toward the lake, I just want to do that, like <laughs> <laughs> you know, or like when uh, Ned went off before I got killed. He went off of that side cabin. That'd be cool to see. That was a creepy-ass cabin. <laughs> that's, that's, it was like a side building. It would be cool to go in that and just kind of experience what Ned would have seen before he got, like, off. you know? Just really cool, man. I would really love to go out there. Well, it would just add more depth to the whole movie-going experience because you'd see the other side of things. Those are the videos that haven't been done on YouTube, like... They have stuff at Crystal Lake, but everyone's sneaking in. It's not like, let's have a bonfire and, like, make a video. Tell stories about Jason. At Crystal Lake. Now, that's fucking a video. That'd be meta. Yeah, so <laughs> that's the whole thing with that, man. So, so we actually had a, a pretty good uh, response to our question on Facebook. The uh-huh. um, the classic question of, um, who is your favorite Friday 13th non-Jason character? Um, Rob Bryan, classic uh, VGBS gaming podcast guest from season one, says, I don't understand how Tommy Jarvis isn't everyone's answer. He was the best protagonist in the view of all the kids in our neighborhood when I was young. Damn, not even a mention of him. And he was in three of them. Definitely Tommy. Yeah, man. Tommy's awesome. And another guy just posted, as I'm saying this, um, Walter Hunt says, the street punks with the jukebox from Jason Takes Manhattan. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. Living in the city ain't no big deal. You know, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and we got then we got the guy from Sleepaway Camp 3. <laughs> oh, Sleepaway.
Friday family. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle's family. (laughs) The family of the Friday. Yes, now it's time to go into the cast members. Which is a perfect segue because we're asking what people's favorite characters are. Yeah, and a a lot of these people, they've done other stuff. I just kind of picked out things that... I thought were... The cool ones. Yeah, like things that were interesting or stuff that we like personally. Yeah. And, and of course, we're going to talk about like the, the fun stuff. So 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 we're going to try to go and order movies, I think. Yeah, we'll just go down that list. Yeah, so starting with part one, you have the classic Adrian King. We had to mention her. I mean, she hasn't really... Yeah, yeah. She hasn't really done much um, as film-wise. No, no, but... Um, obviously she has, does the, the winery though. Yeah. So we got to plug that just for the hell of it. And the crazy thing is the small world that we live in. Adrian King is my friend on Facebook. She's super nice. Has posted happy birthday to me and my birthdays. Super cool. Yeah. <laughs> and liked when I said my favorite character for Friday 13th is Alice. How about Alice? And I tagged her and she liked it. <laughs> on today, today, just now. So, like, Adrian King's off. Awesome. She's one of the best, um, still to this day, treats her fans as, like, gold. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I had to put her on there. I would have felt wrong. But she was an uncredited dancer in Saturday Night Fever. So that's <laughs> actually pretty big. Yeah. Um, I think she was in What's Eating Gilbert Grape, too, and she's, like, in a group or something. <laughs> a little, like, part actor just trying to find her way. Yeah, well, just little extra part, little bit parts. Uh, next, we got Kevin Bacon. I mean, Jack, part one. That speaks for itself. Well, that's the classic that everyone in Hollywood is tied to Kevin Bacon. Well, literally, everybody in Friday the 13th is one step away from Kevin Bacon, pretty much, because you can connect them all. Yeah, that's the other thing. Because he's connected to Friday the 13th, it, it makes the game even crazier. Because yeah, so many people were part of Friday the 13th. There's a there's a generator for Kevin Bacon, by the way. It gets nuts, and I and a lot of people think what I did want to mention here. A lot of people think uh, Friday Thirteenth Part One is Kevin Bacon's first movie. It's not. It's his fourth movie, Animal House. Oh yeah, he was definitely in. That's his first movie. Oracleofbacon.org is the Kevin Bacon generator where you can type in any actor's movie. So just to make things crazy, I looked up James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd. He is two away from Kevin Bacon. (laughs) (laughs) Only two. James Rolfe was in the angry video game nerd movie with Robbie Rist, who was in Balto in 1995 with Kevin Bacon. Done. And Robbie Rist is an actor from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Like, (laughs) he gets fucking crazy. That's that's what's cool about it. Like it's actually a really tight knit community. Yeah. If you think about it. And that's kinda like when we go through these what we'll see, like how close everything is. So so that <laughs> like there's so many people, it's great, like Oh yeah. <laughs> it goes, man. Uh so now we have Betsy Palmer, I mean it's obvious, but she was in a lot of T V stuff, like Murder She Wrote for Four Years, New Heart, The Love Boat. Um, her big thing was I've I've got a secret 1955 to 1967. Really, a uh, bunch of others like ten thousand dollar pyramid. Um, so yeah, she she did tons of TV and lots of movies too. Um, really, 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of people know about her, but, like, the stuff that a lot of people don't know, like Harry Crosby, who plays Bill in part one. Yes. Um, he's he's Bing Crosby's son. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> so you got the classic Bing Crosby's son is in freaking Friday the 13th. Yeah, I guess he was the closest to his dad of all the sons. So he, like, coordinated the funeral and everything, you know, like, firsthand, so... Yeah, so that's Harry Harry Crosby. Um, just it's just funny how that works. That's the family thing, though. When you're tied in the show business, you can get a gig, you know. Oh yeah. Now we go to part two. Yep. Amy Steele. So that's the survivor of part two is in the classic. Yeah, Ginny. So she's an April Fool's Day as Kit, uh, which is a slasher to some degree. Kind of a parody on Friday Thirteenth when you know how it ends. You can argue if it's a slasher or not, but I don't want to spoil it too much. I probably already have. And the title has, obviously. <laughs> April Fool's Day. Yeah. The next one's cool. Lauren Marie Taylor, uh, who plays Vicky, she had the crush on Mark, who was in the wheelchair. Um, but she is also in Girls' Night Out, a.k.a. Scaremaker, um, which is an awesome underground 80s slasher that you all should check out that most people don't know about. And and let's get really retro. She was also a voice in Pound Puppies, the cartoon. Yes! <laughs> Hell yeah! In 87. So this is after Girls' Night Out. <laughs> Five years later, let's make her a voice in Pound Puppies. Now we got Stuart Charna, who played Ted in part two, the redhead crazy guy, lanky madman. Always telling the jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also in Christine, uh, which I love that movie. I believe he he gets killed. Oh, Christine's amazing. But yeah, he plays Don. He so I gotta check out Christine. If you haven't seen that movie, fucking watch it. He was in Mash, so that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, I'm just going on the shit that we like. Um, yeah, see what else stands out. Uh, basically, Freddy's Nightmares. The, Nightmare on Elm Street. He was in one of those episodes called Saturday Night Special. Oh, cool. He was also in the Adventures of the Young Indiana Jones, the Hollywood Follies TV movie. He was in the X-Files, which is pretty cool. He was always a great character. I always loved Ted. He's one of my favorites. Then um, we have Dana Kimmel, who plays Chris in Part 3, the lead actress. She has a shorter career. But she is in Sweet 16, which is an 80s slasher. Oh, yeah, Sweet 16 Marcy. is a fucking a classic slasher. Classic, yes. Yeah. So, but she's only in, like, very few films. Because, I mean, she's in a bunch of TV shows. And if we want to get super fucking retro, which, I mean, we can. She was in Charlie's Angels. Happy Days. That was before Friday. But after Friday, she was on the A-Team. And on Different Strokes... <laughs> nice, nice. And she's in a bunch of freaking crazy ass like soap operas. She was in soap operas for a long fucking time. The different strokes connects with somebody later that we'll get to, which is cool. Okay, cool. Now we have Catherine Parks who plays Vera Part Three. Yes, the big standout weekend at Bernie's, which will also connect with somebody later in, in the timeline. <laughs> Little Doctor Cruz, <laughs> Doctor Cruz, Bernie himself. Yeah, she wasn't in a ton. She plays Tina, like a upscale like lady in Weekend at Bernie's. Tales from the Dark Side, she was in that. Oh, cool. TV episodes. She was super pretty when she was young. Yeah. 
now we got half of everybody's favorite guy, which is old Shelly. Ah, yes, Shelly. So, yeah, he's actually an attorney in California now. Well, that's the crazy. You got a Shelly story. Yeah, so I actually had him on an ABA webinar. So I I set up train, walked the uh, speakers through our webinars. For they're for CLE for a, attorney credit, basically. They're like continuing education. So, yeah, I actually had him on a webinar last year. Uh, it was like a copyright, and he worked on like a Batmobile case. Awesome. Yeah, and he had pictures of him in the Batmobile, and it was just funny when I saw, I was like, Larry Zerner, and then I, because we have all the information and all the contact info, so I put it all in, in Google, bam, there he is. I'm like telling people, oh my god, we got Shelly on our program, people just look at me like a deer in headlights, like I got three heads. Like, who cares, you know? He actually has a firm. You can actually go if you type in Larry Zerner. And uh, he's pretty successful. It's pretty crazy. So, so, you, so you know what's funny? Is that you see all the crazy shit Shelly has been a part of. Like, after Friday the 13th, he hasn't really done a ton. He's done some. Yeah, little bit parts. But, like, after 86, he hadn't done shit. But he's literally been in three things since 2013 where he's been Shelly. Shelly, Yeah. <laughs> Knights of Badassdom, The Horror Geeks, and Death House. All three of those, he's Shelly. The, th- the last one, he's Shelly the Prop Man. <laughs> like, so cult. What the hell? He's, he's just Shelly. Like, it's like funny, is more people said Shelly than Tommy Jarvis in our... Yeah, I always liked Shelly. I thought Shelly was awesome. Shelly, like, made part three, helped make it. Well, and he's such a dork, is great. He was so openly dorky. You had to like, you had to love him. Exactly, that was the thing. But yeah, so also I just wanted to throw in. I I swear uh, for another webinar, I had Jeff Cohen who played Chunk from Goonies. Hell yeah. he, he's also now an attorney. <laughs> Attorneys. We have to have an attorney to make it eligible for CLE credit, continuing legal education credit. So that program also had Jenny Lou Tugend, who's Data's mom from Goonies. She was a producer for Lethal Weapon 2 and 3, 27 episodes of Tales from the Crypt, and two Masters of Horror episodes, Dream Cruise and Imprint. And I know Imp- Yeah, and I know Imprint is the Takashi Maiki one. <laughs> so, yeah, so that that was just my brush with... Uh, yeah, we were going to try to have Harrison Ford on an aviation webinar, but then he had that... Um, he crashed his plane, so... <laughs> <laughs> That was the end of that. That was the end of that. <laughs> that would have been awesome, though. So, yeah. So, let's see. Corey Feldman, part four. Tommy Jarvis, I mean, fucking Corey Feldman. Goonies, Gremlins. The fucking Lost Boys. Lost Boys is great. Uh, he's in Meatballs 4. Ninja Turtles, he's the voice of Donatello in Ninja Turtles. That's classic. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was Donatello. Yep, he was in Tales from the Crypt Bordello of Blood, which was classically bad. Oh, yeah! Mm-hmm. He was in um, Citizen Toxie, the Toxic Avenger 4. There's a Puppet Master thing, too. Puppet Master vs. Demonic Toys. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I have that one. That was like 13 years ago, by the way. <laughs> it was a made-for-TV movie, too. That's the best part. It was, it's subpar at best. Yeah. He was um, in a TV series called Splatter, which I haven't heard. His name is Johnny Splatter. <laughs> there we go. I got to open out a new tab so I can read that someday. <laughs> he was also in the um, Lost Boys of the Thirst. They did like a, a remake, not a remake, but a sequel. 
to it. Okay. And he played Edgar Frog again in that, which is cool. It was really bad. <laughs> so yeah, he's had a pretty good like child's career though. Amazing. So Splatter is a Roger Corman TV oh, nice. show too. Summer Party Massacre. Uh, Roger style. Corman presents. Roger Corman's awesome. Piranha. Now we got Crispin Glover's Jimmy Part Four. He's God. I mean, Back to the Future, The Doors. He plays Andy Warhol in the Doors movie. Yeah, he does play Andy Warhol. Which will connect with somebody else later on who plays in the Doors movie. He was in Family Ties. That was a pretty big one that he was in. He is in Gilbert Gray. People versus Larry Flint. Yes, can't forget about that. He's the evil guy in the Charlie's Angel movie. Which is funny as shit. Yeah, he's just been in a lot of stuff. Willard, the mouse rat thing. Uh, I never saw it, but that was just what I think of when I see him. He fits that, like, so well. He's just weird. I, all I think about is the fucking Crispin Glover dance, and it ruins my life. No way. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> Actually, I think Andrea tagged me in that on, like, social media today. <laughs> like, the Crispin Glover dance. There we go. <laughs> fucking gift that keeps on giving. Yes. Lawrence Monison. So he plays Ted, part four. He's been in a fuck ton of stuff. Yeah, primarily The Last American Virgin. It's an 80s classic. Everyone should check that out if you haven't seen it. He's also been in Mask. Fucking terrible movie. A teenager with a massive skull deformity. It's that crazy guy that everybody makes fun of. Huh. Mask. It's the one with Eric Stoltz as the Rocky Dennis, the fucking guy with the big-ass face. Now, now here's the crazy thing. Eric Stoltz was in Mask with Lawrence, who was in Friday the 13th. With Crispin Glover, who was in Back to the Future, Eric Stoltz originally played Marty McFly in Back to the Future. Then they brought in Michael J. Fox. And Michael J. Fox was in Family Ties, which was Crispin Glover was in Family Ties. Let's <laughs> see how it all goes around. Crazy. Love it. Yeah. He was in Starship Troopers 2. That would be about as cheesy, but I, I've never even seen that movie. Peter Barton, who plays Doug, he's also in Hell Knight. Which, like, Hell Knight's fucking amazing. Yeah, so check that movie out. It's classic. I mean, there's another movie he's known for called The Powers of Matthew Starr, and that looks like the most fucking 80s thing I've ever seen in my life. Guy looks like fucking Flash Gordon or something. <laughs> <laughs> God. Super-powered alien prince from another world. Wow. <laughs> that looks amazing, and he plays the guy. Like, that's literally Peter Barton's profile picture, is that guy, because he looks so fucking crazy. That's it, though. A lot of these people are in a lot of stuff. But nothing that we would necessarily recommend. Judy Aronson, who plays Samantha, Sam, part four, gorgeous. Gorgeous mm -hmm. girl, like, my God. She's in a lot of good shit, actually. She should have been in so much more, though. Just, But she's in Hannibal, so I, I think she's yeah. just like a bartender or something, small part. She's also in American Ninja. She's also in Weird Science, which is a classic. And she's really aged well, too. She still looks fucking great. Yeah, she was, she's been in a lot of TV shows. It was like she was in Full House or something. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, There's a lot of TV shows. A lot of these people were in, like, tons of TV Oh, yeah. Gigs. The TV was easy for them to get into. Um, this one's great. Oh, this guy. Yes. 
Bruce Mailer, Mahler, who plays Axel, part four. Oh my god. Police Academy one, two, three, and six. He was he was Sergeant Fackler. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's hilarious. You just look at him, he's just he's just funny. He plays uh in Seinfeld Rabbi Glickman on three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> he's uncredited as a pirate in Hook. Nice. And a reporter in Dick Tracy as well, uncredited. Nice. And he was in Loaded Weapon 1 with Emilio Estevez and Samuel L. Jackson and John Lovitz and Tim Curry. He's also in a horror movie from 87 called Funland. I've never seen that. Let's check that out. When a mob family takes over an amusement park after the owner dies under mysterious circumstances, a recently fired clown mascot seeks vengeance. <laughs> dun dun dun. Funland. Bruce is awesome. Yeah. Axel's fucking great. <laughs> and we're only, what's great is we're only at part four still. <laughs> like, yeah, we're still going. It goes, the, the Friday family goes forever, especially if we dig deep into their past, which is fun to do. Get another freaking Friday 13th actress in the next one, Lisa Freeman, who's also tied to fucking Back to the Future. Yep, Lisa Freeman. She's nurse Robbie Morgan, basically Axel's like assistant, and they're like screwing around in part four. So yeah, Back to the Future one and two as Babs. Yeah. So that ties back to Crispin. Crispin's in only part one, but still ties back. Weird. Yeah. And a bunch of TV shows. <laughs> Savage Streets as well. Savage Streets, that's a classic. Looks classic horror, yeah. Then we have John Shepard. Tommy Jarvis from Part Five. I always, he always reminded me of John Boy Walton. What what <laughs> else was he in? So he's in Friday the Thirteenth TV series as Constable. He was in a funny movie called Down Periscope. Yeah, Kelsey Grammer, Rip Torn. <laughs> then we have Miguel A. Nunez Jr. Ah yes, he plays Demon in Part Five. So most people know he plays Spider in Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. He also is in Lethal Weapon 1 and 3. Interesting. Yeah, I think he's like a thug. He was in the Twilight and Zone. Leprechaun 4 in space for what that's worth. <laughs> here's here's a good one. He was a street tough in Jumping Jack Flash. <laughs> he plays a lot of street toughs in a lot of movies. He was a pool room thug in Action Jackson. That's like what he does. He's like a thug. That's hilarious. His name was Slick in the French Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That's awesome. He's in Fresh Prince. <laughs> That's amazing. He was in Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Yes, as Jason. <laughs> he was Ricky in Martin. Martin. <laughs> Little bit bit actor. He's never in more than one episode. He was. Here's a good one. He was in Street Fighter the movie as DJ. Ooh, that's classic right there. <laughs> yes. And even better, he was in Slam Dunk Ernest. (laughs) (laughs) He has an interesting career. He's in (laughs) Scooby-Doo as a bad guy. I always liked him, man. I always thought he was great. And then you have his brother, Shavar Ross, plays Reggie the Reckless. Oh, Reggie the Reckless! Part five. Yeah, he's in a bunch of shit, too, though. But his biggest one, Gary Coleman's best friend in different strokes, Alex Weasel Parks. Buckwheat in the Little Rascals. That's ridiculous. He was Buckwheat. And he still looks like the same as he did. Like, really? He was in Punky Brewster. <laughs> yeah, tons of TV stuff. 
Yeah, and we go, uh, I'm just going to the cool shit. Growing Pains, French Prince of Bel-Air, so he was with his brother, maybe. Um, He was in a, a made-for-TV horror movie called Frogs. <laughs> Family Matters, yes, he was Weasel. Yeah, there we go. Weasel. <laughs> Urkel. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't changed, he looks exactly the fucking same. He does, yeah, he's aged well. Yeah, so Juliet Cummins, I already I always had a thing for her. Robin, part five. She's also in Slumber Party Massacre 2, which is one of my favorite films fucking ever, as Sheila. She shows her tits in both Part 5 and Slumber Party Massacre 2, so go go Juliet. Um, and she's in Psycho 3 as Red. I'm not familiar with that film too much, but she's in it. And Police Academy 4. <laughs> oh, good catch. And Max Hedrum. Mm, okay. And a horror movie called Deadly Dreams. And a horror movie called Camp Fear. Now we have Tiffany Helm, who plays Violet from Part 5, the gothic chick. Oh, that's our our favorite goth chick. <laughs> yeah, she's dancing to the pseudo-echo. Gosh, she did not age well. <laughs> <laughs> what I have here, she's basically the cool thing is, she's the real-life daughter of... Uh, Kristen's mother in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 4. Oh, that's cool. Brooke Bundy. So, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> the real-life daughter of Brooke Bundy. So Nice. That's interesting. I mean, who'd have thunk? Uh, she was also in uh, Freddy's Nightmares, Nightmare on Elm Street TV show. So there, there we go. That's crazy. She's in that, too. So there's, there's always that link. Cool. Can never get out of horror. So, yeah, Richard Lineback. So he's the the deputy in Part 5. Um, Speed, Sergeant Norwood, Natural Born Killers, Sonny. A lot of little small parts. Death Ray 2000. <laughs> in 1981. <laughs> he was in Fantasy Island. <laughs> he's a private in MASH. He was in Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Which is fucking cool. He's in Max Hedger. On The Stand from Stephen King. Ready to Rumble! Yes, Mr. Boggs and Ready to Rumble. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's like David Arquette. That's awesome. (laughs) That movie's so cheesy. That's a classic. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the one. He was also in The Ring. Yeah, so so another person that I always think of when I think Friday Thirteenth is our next guy, which um, old old Thommy Thumb. <laughs> Tom Matthews, I love Tom Matthews. Classic Tom Matthews, which he's known for, you know, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, part one and two, he plays Freddy. And Joey. And he's credited in the new Friday the 13th game for voice and likeness, so he must be in there. <laughs> oh yeah, you actually um get to play as him. Okay, so that's that. He's always been one of my favorites. And there's something about him, he like makes the movie so much cooler, so much funner. It's also in Kickboxer 4. 4? Wow, I didn't know what that was. Yeah, there's a million of them. There's probably 20 of them now. <laughs> yeah, it's like he should have been a more, man. I would have I would have cast him, like, all over the place. Then we have Ron Palillo. So he he plays Hawes yes. in part 6, which which is Horshack from Welcome Back, Cotter. He's in a ton of shit, too. Oh, that's his, yeah. That's his is. big, like, thing that he's known for. <laughs> Yeah, Arnold fucking Horshack. Welcome back, Jason Voorhees. <laughs> Do you see anything else in there? That's um, he was a voice in Pound Puppies. Yeah, another one. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the Superman TV series in 1988. 
Okay. Night of the Living Shadows is what it was called. He was in Hellgate. Um, other than that, Darkwing Duck. Cool. <laughs> like Some cartoon voice. But yeah. Welcome back, Cotter, man. That's fucking crazy that he was in. Yeah, it's, I almost forgot about him, too, because I was trying to think about all the people, and I was like, fuck, I can't forget about Horshack, you know? Yeah. Shit. Yeah, because he's only in the very beginning of Part 6. Now, Tom Fridley, who plays Court at Part 6. Now, he was the guy who, um, when the camper flips, he, he's the one who gets stabbed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's in Summer Camp Nightmare um, as John Mason. That's like a weird 80s... These kids like take over the camp. It's kind of like a horror movie. Oh, I know what one that is. It's 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 a it's hard to watch. <laughs> like I've I've tried to watch it. And it's just it's really slow going, and they really yeah. there's no murders. I don't think. Or... It's almost like a summer camp meets like the Warriors or something. I don't know. It's freaking yeah. weird what they're trying to. I don't know what they're trying to achieve there. But yeah. at the end, he ends up like trying to rape some woman. Oh. Yeah, and it's so weird seeing him. He's like Michelangelo personified in part six. Like, whoa, whoa, dude. You know, but then in uh, Summer Camp Nightmare, he's like evil rapist. Rapist McGee. <laughs> that's, that's what's interesting. He does have another pretty big claim to fame. What is it? The Karate Kid. Ah! <laughs> he was one of the. The Street Tufts and the Gratty Kid. Okay, cool. So when we watch that, we gotta look out for him. Good old Tom Fridley. He's also a prison guard and face off with Travolta Cage. Cool. See, that's what I love. There's so many small little bit parts. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, where have I seen that fucker before? Ah, Terry. Terry Kaiser. See, now this is, he's the opposite of Tom Fridley, cause Dr. Cruz in part seven is like evil, and then he plays like a funny character. Bernie. <laughs> yeah. Bernie, he's a weekend at Bernie's one and two, which is fucking crazy. I mean, he's dead, but what a classic film, you know? He's in a shit ton of TV shows, like in the early 70s and shit, like ton. He's a great actor. Dr. Cruz did a he did a fucking awesome job in that movie. You hate him. You want to, like, punch him in the face. From what I'm seeing, that might be one of his major, like, serious roles. And this is his first, like, big movie. He's in some movie stuff, but, like, that might be the first, like, one where he's not, like, a comedy type thing. Like, every TV show, he's fucking in, though. I didn't even realize it was Bernie. Like, no, hell no. He's in it, like, a year later. <laughs> That's what's crazy. Yeah, Judy had the the DVD, and I watched it like for real as an adult, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is this this changes everything." <laughs> At least we know Doctor Cruz was Santa Claus in the Golden Girls. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> he was also in Fresh Prince of Bel Air. There we go. Every bun's in that fucking <laughs> in that show. <laughs> god damn! Amazing, amazing. He was H. G. Wells in Lois and Clark. The new adventures of Superman. <laughs> okay. God. Walker, Texas Rangers. Yes. And Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. Well. <laughs> yeah. Can I get Chuck Norris in our Friday 13th episode? <laughs> there he is. He made it. Nestled in there. Yeah, it's freaking classic, though. Dr. Cruz is one of my favorite fucking guys. Yeah, he's such a dick. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, he's an asshole. I like him. I love it. I like him. I like him. I like him. I like him. <laughs> so Lara Park Lincoln, so that's Tina. Yeah, um, she's actually super cool in real life. Like 
uber cool, like, hard rocker chick kind of thing, you know, like, into the horror. She's all into that kind of stuff. Um, but what I found, she's in House 2, the second story. I don't know if anything else jumps out at you on IMDb. Um, she was in Freddy's Nightmares, too. See, those aren't on the wiki. I didn't even see those. Okay. Yeah. Um, From the Dark, which is a newer thing. But it's, yeah, it's about it. Like, I mean, she was in a movie called Children of the Night in 85. It was a made-for-TV horror movie. Um, okay, so now we go to Tina's mom, Susan Blue. This is interesting. Holy fuck. Yeah, right? She is, Did she do animated voices? Yeah, and she's in, oh like, my God. everything. G.I. Joe, DuckTales, Transformers, Rescue Rangers, Toxic Crusaders, Smurfs, on, fucking on. It's, like, crazy. Incre- she was the in the Incredible Hulk show. My Little Pony TV movie. Knight Rider, The Jetsons, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Um, Gem. <laughs> Gem. Transformers the movie. The movie, the too. Transformers yeah. the movie. Isn't that crazy? The real Ghostbusters. Flintstone Kids. Fucking Yogi. Brave Star. There's her only movie, Friday 13th. <laughs> like. So she's had a really good career. Heidi Kozak. Oh, yeah. I used to have a crush on her, too. <laughs> Sandra, part seven. Another Slumber Party, too. Yep, Slumber Party Massacre 2 alumni, Sally. So, Slumber Party Massacre 2, the first time that I saw that, it blew my mind because you had Robin from Part 5, and you had Sandra from Part 7. You also have Rob Lowe's brother, Patrick Lowe, (laughs) is in there. Um, TJ, (laughs) who, he's in, like, Slaughterhouse and Pumpkinhead. Um, and then you have um, Crystal Bernard, who was later on Wings. Slumber Party Massacre 2 is really interesting. There's a lot of people in there. Yeah. So the only the other thing I see for Kozak would be like a bunch of TV shows. Mama's Family. She's on an episode of Mama's Family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's in a bunch of TV shows. That's awesome. That's one I love that show. Twilight Zone. The later ones, like the 80s one. Yeah, the colorized. Yeah. Fucking classics, though. She still looks good, too. Dissecting all this shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. So next, Elizabeth Kiten. Uh, I think believe she's from Hungary. Uh, she plays Robin, part seven. Uh, the guy who smokes a lot of weed, she ends up fucking him. Ooh. Yeah, so she plays Jennifer in Silent Night, Deadly Night, part two. Yes. So you gotta say it, you gotta do it. <laughs> Naughty. <laughs> Punish. 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 <laughs> Garbage day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Assault of the Killer Bimbos. She was in Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity. That was in between Part 7 and Silent Deadly too. <laughs> she okay. was in a lot of those weird... Weird fucking B movies. Lots. She's a B movie classic. I mean, that was Ricky's first girlfriend, Silent Night Part Two. Oh yeah. Ricky got laid for the first time by Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was another one. I was watching that movie, and then all of a sudden I see her. And it's just it, it gives even more meaning to Friday Thirteenth because it becomes like a classic. It's just so embedded. Like, oh yes, another one. 
Another one. That's why we had to do this. Um, Kelly Who. Now, now we're jumping to part eight, the classically bad one. Now, Kelly Who is the Asian girl who's doing coke with the blonde girl. The one that jumped out to me in The Doors. Yeah. Also with Crispin Glover. <laughs> she plays Dorothy Ray Manzarek, the keyboardist's wife. Also, she's in Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. <laughs> Which is a fucking amazing film if you've never seen that. Early nineties. That movie is fucking amazing. It's it's literally um Don Johnson fucking Mickey Rourke riding motorcycles and uh Big John Studs in it and he's like her dad, I think, or something. Nice. Like it's like hilarious. That's dude. hilarious. It's, yeah, it's I gotta see that. Fucking amazing. And Big John Studd's name is Jack Daniels. In the movie, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like, like cheesy as shit, fucking yeah. amazing. That that movie is a classic of my childhood. Like, um, and then you got not so classic Surf Ninjas, <laughs> which that one actually ties to um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because one of the main characters in Surf Ninjas is Ernie Reyes Jr., who was uh, in Ninja Turtles Part Two as the little Kino kid or whatever. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, that's getting really deep in. Um, the main thing she's known for, though, is she was in X-Men 2 as Lady Deathstrike. And she was the sorceress in The Scorpion King with The Rock. Um, she was in Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic this 2, The Sith Lords, as a voice. That's cool to know. She was in a TV movie, Dark Shadows, which is like a remake of the old classic show. Ooh, the next guy. Gordon Curry. He plays Miles, part eight. Basically the main dude, main dude's buddy. He reminds me of Bill from Bill and Ted, but he was from Puppet Master 4 and 5, so that's what jumped out at me. He, he was he was Rick. Yeah, he's one of the guys who actually um, went through both movies. Mm-hmm. Puppet Master. Rick Myers. He was in Poltergeist the Legacy, the TV show. Yeah. <laughs> the Outer Limits. Like Mutant X, there's another X Men fucking classicness. Now do we have the uh, the main actress from fucking Part Eight? Yes. Yeah, so next is uh, Jensen Daggett. That's such a weird name. <laughs> Jensen Daggett. Jensen Daggett. But that's actually Rennie from Part Eight, the main girl. She was on the Home Improvement Show as uh, Nancy Taylor, who's Tim Tim the Toolman Taylor's sister-in-law. <laughs> Weird. Isn't that weird? She's on four episodes. She was in The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. with Bruce Campbell. <laughs> That's cool, Bruce Campbell. Yes. There we go. Bruce Campbell mentioned him. <laughs> Legit. Nancy Taylor. It's amazing. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> she was in Project Elf. <laughs> Elf. <laughs> All right, so, so we, we jump into uh, Jason Goes to Hell? Yes, so we're almost wrapping it up here. Because cause really, we're only going through the um, the first nine films. Because after that, like... The stuff that really jumps out, that's the classic stuff they used to be in. That's yeah. kind of like old older films, you know. That's kind of the ones that I was thinking of, like classics. But yeah, so like John D. LeMay, who plays Steven, the main guy with the glasses. So he's a weird amalgam, because he was in the Friday the 13th TV show as like the main dude. Yeah, he was in the Friday the 13th TV series as Ryan Dalian. Six years before Part 9 was filmed. So he literally was in 
<laughs> a lot of... He was in, like, every episode. He was, like, the guy who was telling the stories. And then he got cast in an actual Friday the 13th. That's kind of cool. And that's the same as uh, John Shepard, Tommy Jarvis, Part 5. Because he was in... He was played Constable in the Friday TV series, too. Well, yeah, but, like, what's cool about... Like, like he was went from Friday to the show. This guy went from the show, being the main guy, to an actual film as a main dude later, which is really crazy. Like, it was, like, backward. Well, either, like, both ways, though, they got a job from their previous gig. Yeah. That's what's interesting. Like, well, it's like you never know when your phone's gonna ring. That's the other thing. Well, and the thing that's crazy about Part 9, though, is, like, it was, like, way different feel than Part 8. Than all Because, to me, it was, like, a bunch of older actors. Yeah, because most of the, the original films always had fresh blood, you know. Now we have people like Richard Gant, Phil the Corner. He was in so much shit, but the ones that I remember, Rocky V, George Washington Duke, and The Big Lebowski as the older cop. Yeah, that was the funny thing. Like, he was literally the promoter in Part 5 for Tommy Gunn. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> he was in Revenge of the Nerds. Seinfeld. So then we have Dr. Death, Stephen Williams. Dr. Death. <laughs> and he, uh, Stephen Williams played... Creighton Duke. So he's in House, Cop Number 4, and Blues Brothers. Trooper Mount. So... Those are the two that I picked out. What else do we have? Let's go really far back, because he goes back to the 70s. <laughs> Twilight Zone, the movie. More Twilight Zone times. The Dukes of Hazard, A-Team. A-Team. I knew I saw another A-Team person in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In Living Color. <laughs> George Bush meets Tommy Wu. <laughs> Hanging with Mr. Koopa. Oh, yeah. It, the new movie It, he's going to be in there. Oh, cool. I didn't know about that. Yeah, that that might be one of his top movies once he's in it. He's a good actor. Yeah, I always thought he was good. So that pretty much wraps that up. I guess uh, we could go ahead and sign off here. Is there anything else? Is there anything else you want to throw in there? Or? Um, garbage days tomorrow. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's all right now, Alice. It's all over. Everything's over. Are they all dead? Yes, ma'am. Two of my men pulled you out of the lake. We thought you were dead, too. Do you remember very much? The boy. Is he dead, too? Who? The boy, Jason. Jason? In the lake, the... The one who attacked me, the one who pulled me underneath the water. Ma'am, we didn't find any boy. Then he's still there. <laughs>